Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Everyone say contagious. Uh, I believe that the church should be contagious. I believe the church should be one of the most contagious magnetic forces around because the early church was that way. Uh, they, they drew people to themselves. They caused people to, to, be, to, to recognize uh, who they were. And even though the Roman government and even the Jewish people were trying to kill the church, what they tried to per- persecute, they actually promoted. What they tried to destroy, they actually developed. And I want you to understand that sometimes that what the enemy tries to wipe out, God will actually use that to help promote and to move you forward in your life. Now, I want you to see something here. In Acts chapter 3, if you would turn your Bibles to Acts 3, I want to just point out some things that show you what made the early church so contagious. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1, if you're there, say amen. If you're not, it's on the screen for you. And I'm reading out of, I think this is the uh, message version. It says, one day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, what time was it? Peter and John were on their way to the temple for a prayer meeting. And at the same time, there was a crippled man from birth being carried up. How long was he crippled? So pretty much all his life. Every day he was set down at the temple gate, one named Beautiful, to beg from those going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for a handout. Peter, with John at his side, looked straight, looked at him straight in the eye and said, Look here. And he looked up at him, expecting to receive something from them. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As you're seated, the word contagious, it means uh, to spread to others, to affect others in regards to emotion, feeling, or attitude. It's something that draws people. It's something that's magnetic. And if you've ever gone to a a basketball game, to a football game, and you weren't even a fan of the team that was playing, but the game was so exciting, and the people that were there were cheering so intently that you found yourself cheering for one side or the other, and you were all in, and you didn't even don't even like the teams, but you were all in because there's an environment that has a way of drawing you in. There's an atmosphere that has a way of being contagious that pulls you in to caring for something that you really didn't care about when you got there. That's what contagious is all about. The early church was contagious. They were magnetic. First, I told you that they were, they were contagious because it was evident they had been with Jesus. I want you to understand something. I can tell who you hang out with by the way that you act. And when you say that you hang out with Jesus, yet you're cursing at people, tearing people down, we know that's not who you've been hanging out with. You may have, you may have been hanging out with Jesus Rodriguez, but not Jesus Christ. <laughs> the second one, and if, you're a, if your name is Jesus Rodriguez here this morning, my apologies, okay? Secondly, they were united. They came together as one. They worked together. They were united. Thirdly, they were obedient. They worked the word. They did what Jesus asked them to do. I want to encourage you. The word of God works when you work the word of God. 
that when you hear the word of God and you apply the principles that God gave us in the word, whether it's business, whether it's family, whether it's marriage, whether it's children, whether it's in your personal walk, that it will set you free every time when you work the word of God. They were obedient to the word. Fourth, they were unashamed. They were not ashamed about who God was. People were killing them, and yet they were still standing up boldly declaring who Jesus was. Today, I want to talk to you about the fifth reason the church was contagious. And it was because they took advantage of opportunities. Let me, let me explain that to you this morning, okay? They took advantage of opportunities. They had the ability to turn problems into promotions, Every successful person has the ability to take any problem in their life and turn it into an opportunity for growth. A a negative person will take every problem that comes their way and just sit and complain about it. But a successful person will take every opposition and turn it into an opportunity. Every problem and turn it into a promotion. I want to challenge you. Stop looking at the negative situations in your life as negatives and start looking at them as opportunities for promotion in your life of what God wants to do. Now, let me explain what's happening here. Brother Dave, if you would be be so kind and for, for the next few minutes just sit right here you are my lame man okay you're not lame you're just my lame man for today okay yeah you 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 used to be the burning bush remember that now now you're just you're a beggar okay now in the early church they had the temple and in the temple you had this area right here if this is if this is the gate beautiful this area right here would be known as the court of gentiles That if you were not a Jew, this is as far as you could come to the temple gate. You were not allowed to go any farther than this point right here. Because this is as far as Gentiles, non-Jews, were allowed to come. Now, right inside the gate, beautiful. The gate, beautiful, was a big bronze uh, ornament gate that had gold inlays and silver inlays. And what's a trip is this. That gate was so expensive. And yet you have a beggar right next to it. To be in such a beautiful place but have an ugly experience going on. To to be in a place right next to something so wealthy, so blessed, and you be so broke. This beggar was there for over 40 years, we find. He's over 40 years old. He's in this place. He's been in that place for 40 years. Daily, someone would bring him and drop him off there in front of that gate to beg. Begging was his job. He got up every morning to beg. The same way you go to work, he got up to come to work to beg. Begging was his job. If he didn't beg, he didn't get paid. And they set him up in that place every day so as people came by all he could do he wouldn't say anything he would just put his hand out and ask for money and people would respond to him based on his hand sticking out he didn't have the right to speak to anyone he didn't have the right to ask anyone this was the invitation he lived off the pity of others and people had to recognize him in order to give to him But begging, like I said, begging was his job, and he had been there in that place for how many years? 40 years. You imagine that? 40 years showing up and being in that place just depending on other people to meet your need. 
And that word, and this tells me this, if he's been here for 40 years, that tells me that Jesus and the disciples passed by him several times during Jesus' lifetime. Now that's going to mess with your theology. Because of Jesus' love, why didn't Jesus heal him the first time he walked by him? Why didn't Jesus recognize it and take care of the issue then? I want you to know that in God's timing, everything is perfect. That even though God didn't meet the need of that man when he walked the face of the earth, there was a plan that God had in store for this man for his breakthrough. Now follow me. I'm taking you somewhere. That word lame in the Greek Greek is this right here. Okay? So if you're a cholo this morning, my apologies. The The word lame in the Greek is cholos. Okay? I'm not judged. I didn't write it. I'm just... And that that means lame. It means inability to stand or maimed. It means that everywhere from the waist down, you couldn't move. You you were incapacitated. And that word refers to someone that was literally paralyzed. And this individual was not allowed to. He didn't have the ability to walk because he was lame. Now, let me take you somewhere even farther. As a lame man standing here with his hand out in this condition, because of his condition, he saw this beautiful gate here day after day after day. And he would watch people go into the temple and then walk out of the temple. Go into the temple, walk out of the temple. Into the temple and walk out of the temple every day he would sit there and see people go in and come out blessed come out with their need met come out with smiles on their faces because they had encounters with God but because of his condition because he was lame he was not allowed to go into the temple because any defect that you had any sickness that you had kept you from being allowed to go into the temple Hey, thank God today, your defect is actually your invitation to come to God. Come on, somebody say amen. God doesn't judge us based on our defects or our mess-ups. In fact, the more broken you are, the more God wants you. God God tore down the veil of separation that kept us from coming to him. And many times, the enemy wants to point out that you're lame, that you can't move, that you're paralyzed, that you're jacked up, that you're messed up. And he wants to point out your mess-ups to keep you from coming to God. But I want you to know it's in your mess-ups that God wants you in that condition because he wants to put you back together again. Somebody say amen. Now, I want you to see they're going into Peter and John are going into the temple to pray. They, they, they don't they don't they're not done praying. They're going in and then they encounter this man. And when they encounter this man, I want you to see he's asking for alms and alms were more than just money. Now, follow me. OK. Charity is something that we that that was operating way back in those days when you ask for alms and that's what he was asking for alms at the gate not just money if he was outside the city he would just be asking for money the fact that he was at the church or at the temple it was considered alms alms was more than money alms was literally an act of an act or uh, giving of money to show mercy to show love to show kindness to an individual the gifts of mercy were usually given in the form of money and the worshipers were expected to give so So if you were going to church, you usually carried some coin in your pocket because your religious duty was to help those that didn't have anything. Okay, let me try this side. Okay. 
Your religious duty, the fact that you were blessed, meant that you were blessed to be a blessing. Amen. It wasn't for you just to have money. You would prepare yourself because you knew that going into the temple, you were going to see these people that needed something. And so you gave them, you were prepared because you showed your love for God by taking care of those that had nothing. So this dude was smart. He wasn't going to beg outside the city. I'm going to beg right in front of the church, right in front of the gate. And I'm going to make sure I get mines before someone else walks in. I'm going to make sure that people see me. He was there all the time. He was committed 40 years in that place. Look, look at what happens here. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, enter the temple, he asked for a handout. Peter, in, with John at his side, looked him straight in the eye. I want you to see three things very quickly this morning I want to share with you before I close. Number one, I want you to do this. I want you to understand that we must see. Everyone say see. See. We have to see what's going on in our community. We have to see what's going on in our world. See, I, I want you to, how many have ever walked by someone begging in front of a, a grocery store and you see them, but you don't see them? We have that, that thing where we keep our eyes straight or you act like right about there, someone called. Wow, look how beautiful that gate is. Whatever we can to distract ourselves from the need. But when Peter comes in and John, they see him, I want you to understand that word see in the Greek is attentio. Attentio means attention. It's where we get the English word attention from. He looked at him. He fixed his gaze. Another reason what John and Peter are saying is this, I see you. I'm not looking beyond you. I'm not looking behind you. I see what you're going through. I see your need. And I want you to know that I see you. That very fact that they make eye contact is breaking the social norm. Because normally you wouldn't even look at them. You would drop the money in their hand and you would keep on going. But the very fact that John made eye contact and Peter made eye contact with them, they were inviting him into relationship. Oh, come on. Someone needs to grab, grab this this morning. He said what he was saying is, I see you, that we have a world today that is dying to be seen. We, we got the, the orphan that needs to be seen. We got the addicted that needs to be seen. We got the broken and, and the downhearted that need to be seen. We got kids that are hungry that need to be seen, the homeless that need to be seen. But we just drive through life and we act like we don't see anyone. We got blinders on because we're afraid if I see them, then I'm responsible for them. He makes eye contact. Many times we don't end up seeing what's in plain sight. I want, you, you got the beggars of our world right now just asking this, do you see me? Do you see me? That marriage at work that's falling apart, do, do you see me? Those kids that are lost, do you see me? That orphan child, do you see me? That individual that's addicted at work and always coming in with a hangover, do you see me? Do you see me? world's looking for someone to see them. Then he says this, I want you to see that the man expecting something from them, Peter and John look at him and say, look at us. That word look is a different word. That one bleepo means this, to see, to notice, to watch, to be aware, or to perceive. 
to acknowledge. I want you to see that not only must we see, but we have to be able to perceive. Say it again, Pastor. Seeing someone's one thing. Perceiving their situation is another. And the disciples had the ability to perceive that he's asking for money, but he needs something else. Oh, you, you missed that. Totally. He's asking for money. See, I am so grateful that God hasn't given me what I wanted, but that God gave me what I needed. Peter uses this opportunity for the glory of God. Look what he says in verse 6 of chapter 3. He says, I don't have a nickel to my name. Now, if I'm the beggar, it's at this moment I say, keep it moving, bud. Got paying customers behind you. Don't, don't tie up my time now because you're looking at me and you want to talk. You, ain't got, you don't have money. and you're, you're, you're holding up my time here. Peter says, silver and gold have I none. And I could hear the man just groaning. Hey, just keep it moving. But Peter and John didn't just see a lame man. They saw an opportunity. Follow me on this, okay? Sometimes our lack is our opportunity to be creative. When you don't have what you need, money, God will give you opportunity to be creative to do something you normally wouldn't do. It, it's like when, when Kevin Warren was here, he made the he made comment of how the uh, Caesar salad was invented. You ever hear about how the Caesar salad was invented? It was in Tijuana. And there was a, a famous restaurant, there was a restaurant there, and they had a big rush of people come in at the last minute. And they, they had nothing left in the kitchen. They were out of everything. So he went in, the, the owner went into the kitchen and said, what do we have left? They said, well, we got anchovies, we got mayonnaise, we got eggs, we got, he goes, and some, and some lettuce. And said, well, see what you can do. And they took those ingredients and created the Caesar salad. It's not Italian, it's Mexican. He took a situation where he had, didn't have what he needed and he became creative and created one of the most famous salads around. But what am I telling you here? The man wanted money, but he needed healing. Thank you, all three of you that got that. He was asking for money, but what he needed was healing. See, we have to be able to perceive what people need, not what they want. See, a coin or two would have met his current situation, but tomorrow he would have been out there begging all over again. And so we can give someone something that they want today, but it's not going to meet their eternal need. I want you to understand the third thing that I need you to understand and recognize is this, is that you can't give what you don't have. If he would have had money, he would have been able to break him off a piece and give him a couple bucks and move on. But because he didn't have gold, he says, silver and gold have I. I don't have anything. I can't give you what I don't have. But that which I have, I give to you. The principle, you can only give what you have. That, that's why when that person, you, you got chaos in the home and someone tries to bring peace they can't release peace in a home if they don't have peace themselves because they always bring conflict. 
You can only release what you have. You can only give what you have. And I want you to see what happened. Look what he says here in verse 6. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Oh, come on, somebody. My question to you is this. Do you have enough of Jesus in you to give to the lame people of this world? You might not have silver and gold, but do you have Jesus? Do you have enough of God in you to at work to give to that marriage that is lame, to give to that child that is lame, to give to that family that's lame? Do you have enough of Jesus in you to tell those that have no strength of their own to rise up and walk? Is there a greater opportunity that you have to bring healing? Do you have that ability to do so? You see, we got not, there, there's people, we're filled with lame people in the world. We got lame marriages, dreams, lame children, lame families, lame careers, lame sobriety, lame future, lame uh, ministries, lame relationships, lame, lame self-esteem. You got people that are down. They have no strength. There's no ability to rise up. They can live off the pity of others, but that's it. They're not living on the promises of God. They're living on the pity of others. And that's why you, you, can, you can tell those folks, because normally when you walk up to them, they're always, hey, how's it going? <laughs> they always have a cloud over their head. It could be sun shining outside. You know, you just got blessed that things are going great. You walk up to them. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> they just bring you down. It's because they're lame. And instead of them bringing you down, you have the responsibility to bring them up. I want you to notice the pattern as we close this morning. Worship team, if you could help me. He speaks the promise, then he takes action. He speaks the word, then he lends a hand. Peter goes up to him and says, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Now, at that moment, he's still lame. No, you're still lame, bro. Get back down. Don't get ahead of me here. Okay, don't get ahead of me here. Stay with me. I know where I'm going. Okay? Stinking lame people, man. He's still lame, even after Peter says, rise up and walk. It's not until Peter reaches his arm out and pulls him up. The miracle doesn't happen until the hand is given. The miracle doesn't happen until he pulls him up. The moment that he pulls him up, his ankles, his legs are strengthened, the Bible says. It's not until the hand is given and the hand is extended to him that the miracle happens. And all we keep doing to people is this. Rise up and walk. Hey, see you later, buddy. Hey, rise up and walk. You know, hey, God will touch your marriage. God will touch your kids. God will be with your family. Hey, rise up and walk. And that's all we do, but we never lend a hand. We can't just give a word to someone. We have to lend a hand. You have to extend a hand to help someone. The miracle happens when you partner with them. This morning, they graduated the first woman from the women's home. First woman graduate from the women's home this morning. And she's crying as 
all the men are walking down and each one gave her a rose to celebrate her day. She would have never been able to rise up and walk had John never opened the home. See, when Peter told him, rise up and walk, reaches out his arm out and pulls him up, he set himself up for an epic failure. Because if he doesn't rise up and walk, Peter's dragging this lame man all over the Gentile court. Come on, man, get up, get up, get up. Okay, just put you up against the wall here. Just stay right there. Just hang out there for a moment. That could have been embarrassing. But he took a step of faith just to believe that God was going to meet him there. But, but th this is the powerful part, okay, as I close. Notice what happens here, okay? He grabbed him by the right hand, pulled him up, and in an instant to his feet, his ankles became firm. And he, he what? He didn't walk? Uh, crawl. He hasn't walked for 40 years. He doesn't even know how to walk. My, my godson just turned, my grandson just turned one, one year old. And he, he's in the, the walking, well, we call it walking, but I call it falling. He's in the falling stage. Gets up, takes a few steps, falls down. Gets up, he'll take a few more steps, fall down. Get up, he'll walk all around the house and then fall down. But he keeps getting back up again. He's keep, he keeps moving on. He's learning, but before he even got to the walking, he was a crawler. He does the army crawl. Elbows. He's fast. And he would rather get around faster on the elbow crawl than he will walking. Because he's better at crawling than he is at walking. But for long term, that's not sustainable. Imagine him at work. He's working for Google or something. All of a sudden, you see this grown man coming down, army crawl down the hallway. Yeah, he's fast. He should be walking on his, hand, on his feet, right? What am I telling you? This man goes from lame, never walked again, to jumping up. His first act is jumping. Let, let me say this. When God touches your life, you will skip stages. You will skip stages that other people have to take. Other people had to go through. Other individuals had to learn to crawl. Other individuals had to learn to walk. Other individuals had to learn to fall. But when God touches your life, he didn't go through a, a crawling stage. He didn't go through a walking fall down stage. He went straight to jumping. God is about to touch your life to a point where you're going to go from not being able to move to jumping up and down. Because when God promotes you, God takes you higher and farther than you can ever get on your own. God is about to raise you up. You're going to skip some steps. Been trying to break this addiction for years. You're about to skip some steps. There's a supernatural thing that's about to take place in your life. God is, a, you're about to skip some steps in your life. Now, this is the key your miracle is not about you. The Bible says that they go into the temple. 
First time ever, they go into the temple. After 40 years, he gets to go into the temple. And he's so excited, he's jumping up and down and he's clapping, shouting, praising God. He is like a little kid jumping up and down, worshiping God. And as they go in the temple, the people that normally are in the temple are like, wait a minute. Isn't that, no. Isn't that the lame man? I, I just gave him a dollar. I'll get that dollar back. Now that he can walk and get a job. What, what's, what, what's he doing? What, wait, are you kidding me? Is that, no way, I can't, I, is that Daniel? There's no way God did that with Daniel. No way God touched his life. To, wait, wait a minute. I remember when he was messed up. Are, are you sure that's that dude, Daniel? We used to party with him. Are you kidding? Is that, is that T? That, that girl was so messed up in school. Wow, is that, she's pastoring now? She's a youth. Oh, no way. You got to be kidding me. What, what are you talking? No, no. You, that can't be. That can't be Jessica Gutierrez. No. I remember the way she used to be. That, that can't be her. That can't be Pastor Kat. What do you mean? She's a pastor now? I, rem I remember her. Sean? Oh, my gosh. Sean, are you kidding me? I want you to know that when God touches your life, God will touch your life in a way that other people will begin to look at you and they'll be amazed at what God did because God gets glory out of what happened in your life. God will get glory when you get restored. It's not about you. It's about God getting glory. Stand to your feet. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.